Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. We have, I think we've mentioned this before, but um, in many ways, we have selfishly got to meet and talk with people that we would have wanted to talk to anyway, but probably wouldn't have had a chance if we didn't have this podcast. True Um, and true. You know, and so, you know, even if our listenership isn't thousands a day, um, we still, first of all, we still enjoy doing this like nothing. And um again we have talked to i can't even go through the list because i will miss someone and i don't want to we've do talked that, to just so go many back, people now go back to our prior episodes and everybody that we've talked to or someone is someone that that we've wanted to talk to in terms of their experience within their genre of game mm-hmm. or their mm-hmm. experience in science or music or whatever mm-hmm. um one area that we didn't we really hadn't gotten traction into is talking with folks who were involved in um, the Star Wars role-playing game, the new one that was originally Fantasy Flight Games and is now Edge Studio. Right. That's right. Um, So, and it it was, it was, you know, it's not something we didn't want to do. We were just kind of having some trouble finding folks to reach out to. Mm -hmm. And you found someone who was willing to sit down with us and we're going to have a great conversation about not only uh the star wars role-playing game but about all sorts of other things in terms of writing and otherwise yeah and so um so yeah we we reached out and we're really thrilled to have such a quick warm response back uh, from katrina ostrander um and what why we we were so eager to talk to Katrina is she she's professionally an editor, but she's also a writer and she's she's got this real and you'll you'll hear about this. It's a bit in her bio and Katrina will get into this in the interview in a few minutes, but she has served as both an editor as well as an author, both within RPGs and and actually as an editor and author on some of our absolute favorite source books um oh yeah you oh, you go down the list on her on on her website and yeah and i mean i know this makes us sound old but she's so young i mean we have and i, I mean she's not a kid but we've got a decade on her and you look at what she's been involved a with, little more i think Okay, maybe more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Maybe it might be closer to fifteen. Okay, <laughs> it might be closer to yeah. fifteen years. It probably is, but still, she's got such a diverse portfolio of of creativity and output. And so, what what attracted us to her work is she edits and writes within RPGs, but then flip that around, she also edits and writes in the literary world with a with a an yeah. special passion for fantasy right having cut her teeth when she was much younger on fan fiction and whatnot and now writing novellas in world and just i mean and is and is into world building right this is this is the kind of person we love speaking with and so you know we we saw her her portfolio and it's like this would be a fascinating conversation and when we were when we were uh you know when i was doing some prep 
and reading through all of a sudden we started you know i noticed obviously to both of our delights that she was involved in uh-huh. the book the worlds of android uh, i um, had to pull that off my shelf tonight know, yep yep you know the star wars you know core rule books the beginner mm-hmm. games um several of the you know. source books and adventures that are some of their best sellers yep and then mm-hmm. we get you'll hear us talk we start talking about board games and we get into oh yeah um a discussion about twilight imperium which I think made Jason go cross-eyed. I, I would, showed him you know, the you, game. You know, I was totally out of my depth because I, I'm I'm not a board gamer. And then Twilight Imperium, I start looking it up while you guys are talking, and 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 you're both getting so excited about it. And I'm looking at it, it's like, oh my god. Uh, I mean, I like complexity, yeah. but wow, like it's like the mother of all board games. Oh, that's what that's what many people say. And mm. and it even has its own. I, I picked it up ironically at the same um place that we got our Worlds of Androids books. Um Oh, oh nice. Uh at the game center in Roseville, Minnesota. Yes, and I ordered if they had the three um add-ons that were incremental add-ons that came out, I think, quarterly or, or oh seasonally. God. Good making more complex. For Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Yeah, it does actually. <laughs> and it is and and I think back to the days when I've played um diplomacy on a rare occasion. You and yeah. I have never done that or talked no, about it. No, but that would no. be an interesting thing to do with your brother be. and Brian and yes. Eric probably even though Eric probably would run at the site of wanting to play a board game with us. Um yes. smart man. But diplomacy is one of those games where you don't even need a board game for it. You can play without it. But Twilight yeah. Imperium, I think, takes that to another level. But point being yeah um when we started talking about that and you'll hear her yeah. talk about you know she's now with asmodee Asmode, yep yep and you're going to hear her talk about um what she's doing there as much as she can talk about it because mm-hmm. she's of course on, she can't yeah she do- deals with a but, lot of ips yeah and yep. that is what is i mean it's it after talking with katrina i am actually quite excited to hear and see What's going to be coming out from Asmodee and Edge and such mm-hmm. over in in the near future and in, in moderate future? So yeah, well, I think I think we should just hop on over there and have ourselves a little chat with Katrina. Katrina Ostrander has served as editor for over a dozen media tie-in novellas, spanning multiple genres, including cyberpunk, fantasy, Lovecraftian horror, and science fiction. She has worked with emerging writers as well as New York Times bestselling authors. As the creative director of story and setting with the Asmodee franchise development team, she oversees the internal and licensed development of the company's proprietary IPs. Besides her work as an editor of tie-in fiction and developer of IPs, she has written for or developed over a dozen role-playing game products, including adventures, supplements, and core rulebooks. So Katrina, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, just, you know, out on, you know, if people, we all have, we've already talked about it already, but at KatrinaOstrander.com, you have in effect hmm. your, in a, it's a CV of all the stuff that you've worked <laughs> yeah. on. Yep. Yep. Um, and you go out there and, and, you know, you and I, you, Jason, you and I were going out there, go, oh, cool. We got to talk about that. Oh, cool. We got to talk about that. Um, we don't have enough time. Yeah, we don't. So you were with FFG. You're now with Asmodee. Um, and I think I pronounced that right. You did. 
you think awesome what are you doing there now <laughs> you know it sounds like you were doing something similar before and now you're doing it at asmo day what what is it yeah yeah um so first of all thank you so much for having me on and yeah i so my official title right now is creative director of story and setting i'm with a group called the franchise development team and i have the amazing job of getting to help transport the game settings of your favorite ffg board games card mm -hmm. games um, previously role-playing games which have now moved to edge studio but to see those get transformed into novels at aconite books at yeah. uh, turned into comic books hopefully if we roll really well on our dice um if it turns into movies or tv shows oh. um, or video games uh so we're i have an amazing job where i get to make sure that uh the continuity looks right that uh sorry um that we're getting the details correct in the stories that the characters are being represented you know their essence is being conveyed in the new medium where they're being expressed um, lots of transmedia projects and also some behind the scenes story planning to see how can we um, make a consistent narrative across all of these different media. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, on that note, um, you mentioned Aconite Books. Yes. Uh, you might have had something come out recently, right? I did. Um, yes. So in The Great Clans of Rokugan, Volume 1, um, my debut novella, uh, was included. It's a novella set in the world of the Legend of the Five Rings. It features the Crane Clan, and it's a swashbuckling romantic fantasy uh, with some bodyguard intrigue, love interest. Um, I had a lot of fun writing it, and it's it serves as a little bit of a prequel to some of the storyline of Legend of the Five Rings um, related to the card game. You don't need to know anything mm -hmm. about the setting going in, um, but if Samurai intrigue, flirting, desperate escapes and sword fights and duels is your thing, then I recommend that you check it out. I mean, clearly you've just described all the things that Brad and I are involved in <laughs> on a daily basis, but 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 seriously, I mean that, well, again, that's we, really we, cool. We, yeah, I mean, we're yeah. not into the swashbuckling as much. But. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, that's that's really cool. I'm curious, you presumably do an awful lot of editing. I have, yes. Yeah. What's it like for you writing where, I mean, I know you're, you know, you obviously have some parameters because it's not entirely your baby. You're, you're writing within a world, mm -hmm. but, and you've got a fanfic background. I get that. But what was it like writing where it is yours? It's a lot harder. So kudos to everyone who makes writing their, uh, their day job or their their primary expression. Uh, those characters have been uh, living inside of my head for a long time, and you kind of you have these mental pictures of what's happening. Like these scenes kind of play out in your mind. Like for me, I do a lot of brainstorming either on walks or when I'm kind of like. Uh, admittedly, a lot of this novella came out while I was working doing a somewhat tedious job at a publishing company. So when I was um, freelancing for FFG as opposed mm -hmm, to working mm -hmm. full time. So that it, surprisingly working at a, a company where I didn't have to be creative during my eight hours of work allowed me to be much more creative outside of work. 
And so it was like a treat to be able to sit down and then try to translate these scenes in my head to paper, um, figure out how to tell those stories, and then also be surprised and dis- like discover the mm-hmm. characters and what they're doing along the way. Um, it was a really cool experience to start out. I really struggled with the story for a long time, um, but one day it kind of, I, I was essentially translating these scenes from my head onto post-it notes. Yeah. And then I was putting the post-it notes kind of in order and transcribing that into something like an outline or a synopsis. And then I sat at my computer for six hours and I typed out the entire story uh, in outline form. And I was like, I think this is what it's going to be. Wow. And then I, I iterated on that a couple of times. I um, had an editor on the FFG side. Um, thank you, Dan Clark, for making me sound less silly. Uh, (laughs) uh, but it was, it was really rewarding and a lot of research, to be honest, there were a lot of nights where I didn't get the word count that I wanted to, because I was trying to keep myself like 800, 1000 words a day in order to uh, finish my first draft by the deadline. But then I'd get hung up on, okay, these characters are playing go. I really need to understand like the basic fundamentals of how the game of go works so that Mm -hmm. I can not sound like foolish when I'm describing this uh so i kind of learned that like every day that you're working on your creative project even if you're not necessarily producing the words you can still feel proud of it because it's contributing it's contributing to it overall yeah wow so i'm I'm curious i mean you know obviously now you've got a uh this just fascinating position with asthma day how how did that all start i mean how because you mentioned you were freelancing how did you how did you fall into FFG right back in whatever the day? Like, like what, what, no pun intended, because we were talking about dice mechanics before we hit record, <laughs> but, but um, with a, you know, with an eye, what was the genesis of all of that? Yeah. Um, so during college, I was very involved in my college's role-playing guild, and that's exposed me to a lot of game systems other than Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. um, a lot of which were systems that fantasy flight games eventually took over i played a lot of dark heresy mm-hmm. i played a lot of warhammer fantasy third edition which um jay little designed the dice system for right. that that became the star wars system and became mm-hmm. the narrative dice mm-hmm. system of genesis and i applied as i was graduating college with my poli sci major and i had no <laughs> idea what i was going to be doing in life um I knew that I really liked these games, and I looked at the qualifications for the associate role-playing game producer position, which was um, posted in the fall of my of when I was graduating, and I ticked all the boxes. A lot mm-hmm. of because I had been working with my both with my role-playing game guild at college. I had started to design my own rules, and I was like writing about uh, those rules on a blog, triplecrit.com, which uh, I've retired, but that's where I kind of got my start uh, tinkering with rules. And also because I had familiarity doing editing and doing layout in particular through my college's literary magazine, it was like all of these extracurricular experiences that set me up to do essentially an entry-level RPG position, which I will have to say is like a one in a million job those really, aside from Wizards of the Coast, Paizo, and Edge Studio, 
Modifius, I guess there's a couple of companies that have full-time staff, but many of them are freelance. Right. Um, right. Doing this kind of work. So I managed to get my foot in the door as an associate role-playing game producer. I produced several Star Wars related role-playing game supplements and adventures. Um, Jewel of Yavin, Beyond the Rim, Onslaught at Art of One, uh, Lords of Nalhada. These are all kind of like near and dear to my heart because they were my first projects. Jason. I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 wow. I, so, and you, you were, what, so what did you do with those? Like for specifically for, for people who don't get how this all works. Yeah. Um, so I would say that what I was doing was developmental editing mm -hmm. and that would mean figuring out the basic premise or what we wanted out of the book, what would make it, um, what would be the selling points of the book. Yeah. Matching that premise with a freelance writer who had the skills and interest to do a good job with either yeah. the adventure, for example, it would start out like we want to do a heist um, on Cloud City or yeah. we want to do a Hoth, a Battle of Hoth style, you know, battle and escape um, for the Age of Rebellion system, those kinds of mm -hmm. things. And after commissioning the writer, I would um, be the first reader. I would give feedback. I would try to um, pull it together, improve the adventure, give feedback on what I thought was working, what wouldn't, what would players or GMs have a hard time with, try to yeah. ameliorate that. And then after a couple of iterations of this draft, send it out to playtesting, take that feedback into account, and then make any final changes. Um, before laying out the book and working with copy editors and yeah. proofreaders to make sure that it was clean. That that's really interesting. That just just to, to to learn about how that works. And man, I mean that that's what you did out of the gate with yes. FFG. I mean wow. that's a heck of a thing. I mean, I, first of all, I have a bunch of those, right? Because you just you just listed some of the I mean clearly best selling, most popular Edge of the Empire supplements that they created i mean those are some big supplements right though very well known and fascinating story i mean those are so much fun i know and part of me feels like i was 23 years old i was completely unqualified to be doing this work um but i was really cutting my teeth in the rpg industry in that time and luckily i had um colleagues in my department who had been doing it for longer Mm -hmm. um, Sam Gregor Stewart, Andy Fisher, Max Brook, um, fantastic people that I got to work with that really mentored me and, and helped me do the best job that I could. Um, but also I was grateful that I was working with such talented writers. So folks yeah. like Sterling Hershey, Jeff Hall, um, lots of people whose names I'm forgetting, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, have really contributed to the Star Wars canon, uh, or the, the Star Wars legends, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so it's, I had a lot of help along the way, but, but I learned and it was after working on those Star Wars adventures that the fiction editor position opened up at Fantasy Flight Games. And my, my love for most of my life has been reading. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, for a long time thought to myself, you know, I really want to be, I really want to have a, a career in books or publishing. Yeah. The New York publishing scene was not going to work for me. It just like I looked at the costs of living in New York and how much they paid, and I was like, "That'll never." Yep. I don't have rich parents, so that's not right. going <laughs> to be right. a reality for me. Um, but I was able to take on this fiction editor position where we started to translate board games like 
Arkham Horror, uh, card games like Android and Legend of the Five Rings into hardback novella formats. Yeah. And my my role was similar. I would find authors um, who would be interested in writing for those OP IPs, um, work with them on a pitch, on an outline, give them notes and feedback on their first draft, um, send that around to beta readers and colleagues to see what they thought of the story, and then um, send that into the world. Uh, that's how we got the Android novellas. Um, wow. And the, Legend of the Seven Clan novellas for Legend of the Five Rings, one of which I did have the privilege of writing. But uh, it's a different writer pool for those tie-in novellas. But again, um, getting to work with some fantastic authors, um, Marie Brennan, Richard Lee Byers, um, Dave Gross, and some emerging authors too. That was It was a real pleasure to work with, Nate. including Robert Denton III and Marie Murdoch and... Um, people whose careers it's been fun to really watch and see how they grow. How do you find, and I don't want, you know, no, obviously we never ask trade secrets or anything like that, but generally speaking, how do you go out and find these authors? Are there, mm-hmm. are you like researching other things they might've written and, or if they do, they potentially come to you or how did that work or does that work? Yeah, it's a mix of both. So um, through networking, um, my email gets out, people find out, you know, how to get in touch with me, um, find out what I do um, and they'll approach. I've even had agents come through and say, you know, I have an author who really wants to write an Arkham Horror novella. Yeah. How can we make that happen? Um, but a lot of it to start out with was looking at who were the big names in tie-in fiction um, these are the folks that have written Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, right, right. Battletech, um, other sorts of tie-in media, and kind of cold calling them with an email. Okay. This is who I am. Okay. This is the company I'm with. Uh, would you have any interest in writing for us? And, you know, sometimes I wouldn't hear back, but sometimes I'd get an enthusiastic reply. I love that game. Sure, I'd love to do something uh, set in Arkham Horror. And... Uh, got to work with a bunch of fantastic people that way i have a hard time imagining a writer saying no to an <laughs> offer to i mean I, I i know it sounds like i'm making a joke but i'm not i mean we've had the good fortune on the on on dice and mine to talk to a lot of authors over the past couple of years and and it's fascinating every time but i don't know that anyone has ever complained about having too much right like like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to take a couple of years off because I just don't need to write anymore. I just, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. I, it was mostly having to do with schedules. Like a lot of oh, folks sure. in the publishing industry, they already have contracts to write one to three books with these yeah, other publishers. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, a, a major consideration and, um, you know, making sure that people are being paid fairly and that their time is being compensated um, and that the, the terms are good for them. So yeah. it wasn't always like a, the right fit for people at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a couple of folks that I wish that I could have gotten to work with that mm-hmm. I've never had the chance mm-hmm. to. But who knows? Maybe they'll write for Aconite and I'll get to read one of their novels as they yeah. come through for licensing approval or uh, cool. franchise approval. So, and you know, never say never. I'm I'm curious. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before we recorded, but 
um, we mentioned before, uh, well, I'll speak for myself. I am a major fan of Worlds of Android. Uh, I, I've never, full disclosure, I've never played Netrunner. I mean, I, 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 I've never gotten into card games. I knew nothing really about the world other than I've probably always been intrigued by transhumanism and, of course, sci-fi and future stuff. And then, um, and Brad, I mean, you, Brad and I have had this conversation a number of times. Um, I came across several years ago, probably Katrina, like four or five years ago, came across Worlds of Android, probably not long after it was published, I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I love getting these books, but I'm also cheap, and those don't always work well together because it's not like these books are becoming less expensive, mm -hmm. um, especially the ones that are larger and done really well. And then it had been on my radar. It kind of, it was all, it was in the back of my mind, but they're just, they were, they were more expensive than I wanted to risk because I wasn't sure if I'd like what was inside. And then they just kind of like, I couldn't find any. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the irony, because you and I are, are like, not exactly neighbors, but I think pretty close to neighbors, right? Like FFG or whatever now. Well, no, still the FFG. Game Center. Yes. <laughs> so I, I only discovered, so I only discovered that FFG and its store was in my, because I'm in St. Paul, was in my backyard, mm -hmm. so to speak, in like 2016. And then, of course, well, things changed. And okay, I don't, I'd been there a few times. That was really neat. But, you know, whatever. And then literally, like, right, Brad, like a handful of months ago, I discovered Game Center. I don't know why I didn't know before. And I was like, well, this is incredible, right? I'll eventually make pilgrimage. But because it is only like, seven miles but i'm looking at their online shop and one of the first things is worlds of android and oh, yeah. and, and it was on sale and it was like my god <laughs> please take my money i don't care how long it takes to arrive um and and man katrina it's well a couple a few thoughts it's absolutely gorgeous i mean the artwork is just second to none um but the writing and the editing and Brad, i said this to you months ago when i got this thing oh, um yeah. uh the writing and the editing the stories this is a different level of excellence of professionalism <laughs> like i mean i'm just gonna call it what it is a lot of rpg oh but please thank you a, a lot yeah. of rpg material even the best source books from the best publishers let's be honest sometimes the copy editing is a little wanting i'm just gonna say it's i mean i get i can't imagine doing that job my, on a book much less on a source book it takes but, a special kind of person with a special yeah. set of skills right yeah. and and some of them are good and some of them are great, but most of them are good. Worlds of Android, though, is now I know it's not technically an RPG, right? But I don't even know how to classify it. But it is, it is absolutely gorgeous in its art, in its editing, in its writing. It's like I mean, because I look, and it's like I'm not finding errors, I'm not finding glitches, I'm finding a series of stories that tie through. I'm finding world building that is off the chart like if i had been able to like pick one up and look at it back in like 2016 i would have forked over what it cost then in a heartbeat i just didn't know so i'm just curious because it's just like i look at my shelf here and it's one of my favorite books on the rpg shelf and it is without question one of the most elegantly written and edited i mean without question how did you get involved with that what was that and what was that if we can ask what was that like yeah 
Absolutely. Um, so in my role of as fiction editor, some of the projects that I got tasked with doing were basically, we want to do R&D for this product. And typically you get a lot of R&D, like lore building, world building, essentially yeah. through role-playing game products, because you can support that by selling it packaged along mm -hmm. with some game rules and mm -hmm. people will buy it to play it. But you also have a chance to expand your world and role-playing games are where most settings i would say really get fleshed out for the first time um at the time we didn't have genesis fantasy flight games didn't have a role-playing game system that it made sense to do mechanics for okay. but we still really wanted to build the world out um, netrunner was doing so well android was a really beloved board game and so the worlds of android came up with a way for us to condense all of the lore that had been created yeah. across the games across the card uh across the novels into mm -hmm. one compendium really yeah and it was also something to be honest that we hoped that we would be able to show to people in hollywood and say see isn't this a cool setting okay. wouldn't you like to sure. make a tv show oh, or a, yes please a movie out of it yeah. um and so i really do have to thank zoe robinson for the art direction that she did um, a lot of that art comes from the games, but some of it was commissioned, especially for that book. Mm -hmm. Michael Silsby did a phenomenal job with the graphic design and making it, you know, making all of those in-world artifacts. So you have like the weird futuristic newspaper articles and right. the um, other kind of weapons schematics and all these different things that he like made it feel part of the world, mm -hmm. um, I think, in a, a really great way. And so it, it was very similar to my work on the RPGs where I sought out, you know, from our RPG stable of writers, which among you really like sci-fi, which among you have some science backgrounds. Yeah. Um, are you willing to kind of wax poetic about what could be if we had this world where helium fusion allowed us to solve our energy needs, something beyond our internet, you know, something different allowed people mm -hmm. to be even more connected, even more, um, you know, bringing the world together in this way. What kind of effects would that have on society, right? Like classic sci-fi, what if speculative fiction questions. And we just let them run loose and um, the expertise that the writers brought and the research that they did and the consideration that they paid to what this world would be like and collaborating with them on like some of the answers we didn't have necessarily some of the questions we didn't necessarily have the answers to at the time um yeah i'm i'm still really proud of that work that we've done on it and it is very interesting to consider what would life be like if we had a space elevator what would life be mm -hmm. like as we terraform mars as we colonize luna or the moon yeah. um and i mean it's extremely prescient right now um gpt4 uh all of these ai writing and art creation yeah. Yeah. are they're not androids they're not like clones or bioroids but they're kind of they, they present the same questions of like yeah. how do we make room for them in our society are they positive or are they negative on the whole like we're having those debates right now right and you know, eventually, are they going to, will some pass the Turing test? And at that point, 
it's does it matter if they're sentient because the user the end now i sound like tron but right the user isn't going to be able to tell the difference and the typical mm -hmm. user isn't going to care which is kind of the attitude in a lot of worlds of android like this is the world you live in and here's the deal yeah it it the the world building is just so deep in that book i mean the the history like you just the the I mean, there's just so like Brad and I really geek out about world building. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, love it. That's one of our favorite things. And here's this thing where it's like it's not reliant on a canon like Star Trek. It's not reliant on a canon like like Star Wars or, you know, like the seemingly thousands of backstory books for D&D. &D. And it's like how my God, this was all created and it's all put into it. So, yeah, no, it's major kudos. That is just it. it's just <laughs> so much fun to just page through some nights. Well, and you don't it's, have to be an RPG player to, to oh, appreciate no, it. You know, no. it's not necessarily, yeah. it, it says right in there, it's not an Android source book. It's, right. you know, an Android, you know, it's not an RPG source book. It, you don't have to, you don't have to have played, like you said, card games or anything like that. So, mm -hmm. and I, I appreciate the, the same thing with Worlds of Terranoth as well. It's one of those underappreciated worlds that's fascinating, yeah. you know, so, and using both of those with, you know, the Genesis or, you know, the Genesis system and things like that. Do you, do you, even with everything you're doing right now, do you even have time to do any gaming anymore? I do actually. Mm -hmm. um, so luckily I have a pretty healthy work-life balance, um, which I'm really grateful nice. for. And that does allow me, I've been running a D and D fifth edition campaign um, for over a year now um, wow. with the open table. I found out the secret to gaming as an adult is to have a group of like 10 players who can all RSVP independently. And I'll just say, hey, folks, I'm running a session this Friday. Who wants to show up? And because I'm Smart. running like a sandbox, almost like a West Marches style campaign, I tr the, the trick is making everything feel like a one shot. And I'm not always good at pacing it so that it's contained to one session. But it does mean that I'm not running into this constant issue of, so-and-so can't make it right. now this other person can't make it we don't have quorum i've had so much so many fewer canceled games as a result of like lack of participation or people's schedules not working out because i my group is drawing from more than just like four or five people mm -hmm. um so that's that's been really great i've been really enjoying that game um but i also occasionally get to dip my toes into warhammer Forty Thousand or necromunda um, I've started running games with the Saturday Night Space Opera crew that operate out of the Source, which is a Twin Cities, a legendary oh, yeah. Twin Cities game store. It's a store. wonderful store. Oh, yes. Man. It has the biggest, the largest number of bookshelves that contain RPGs of any game store I've ever stepped into. And for me, it's just like heaven. I, I love their their wall, right? Yes. On the east side of the, sorry, south side of the store. I I just well because if I go because Brad's Brad's in Milwaukee I'll typically text you when I'm oh, yeah. there and sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'll send you pictures because it's you can it's the only place I know of where you can browse mm -hmm. what's out there and they do a good job of getting like you mentioned some of these games on your website they do a really neat job of getting indie books out there too yes not just i mean you know if you want if you want D and 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 Pathfinder and Starfinder I mean they'll have everything. But then they have everything else that you maybe haven't heard of. Yeah, they have a phenomenal collection of indie RPGs. And I'm 
fairly certain that they kickstart many of them because I'll see the Kickstarter rewards like for retailers, which is is really nice to see. Um, So they're definitely supporting the hobby. And um, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I... I've discovered a number of new games on their shelves and it's really wonderful um, mm-hmm. to have that resource in my backyard because I'm in Roseville. So it's, it's five minutes for me. Yeah. You're even, I've got to, I've got to <laughs> drive all the way up Snelling and there might be traffic. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. That's see, we, I wish we have gaming stores here, but there are a lot yeah, of, and, and again, they're very good ones, but they're yeah, really focused on, on card games and, mm-hmm. and board mm-hmm. games and all that, which are great. Um, but you know, I love going to a live, an RPG, a library where you can see oh. all these different games that even with Twitter and social media, you might not necessarily know they exist. No. Well, there's so many games that are coming out these days. And I think yeah, I've really noticed the acceleration since my breakout into the industry literally 10 years ago in 2013. The number of RPGs that are coming out on a weekly or monthly basis and the number of RPG Kickstarters that are happening, like more and more people are getting into the hobby. But I can also sympathize that it must be more and more challenging in order for any single RPG to get, you know, some spotlight time or attention time. And I, I know that this has also been a challenge in the board game industry as well, thanks to Kickstarter and the almost like democratization of production through POD and yeah. um, these other new technologies that didn't exist 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and, and the RPG industry is really tough. I think the joke is if you want to make a million dollars in the RPG industry, you start with 2 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's a really wow. cutthroat business. And yeah. I think that's partially why full-time positions in that industry are so hard to come by and they're so coveted and why like so many people are publishing. Like, I love that these community creator um, platforms exist on drive through RPG. But it's so, there are so many things coming out now that it has to be a labor of love. I think it's extremely challenging if you're trying to make this into your business or try to support yourself with it. Um, I think some folks are able to do it, um, but they're definitely the exception and not the the norm. Yeah, which I suppose isn't all that different from what it's like for writers in the publishing industry in general, right? It's it's just it, hard. My impression, and I will admit, I'm not plugged into the big five in publishing. I'm not trying to support myself with writing. I'm yeah. I'm not trying to sell. Uh, mainstream fantasy and sci-fi fiction but it does seem to me like the mid-list um, my understanding is that that's disappearing which is oh, where yeah. you could get you know people that aren't you know making printing a gazillion copies of their books but people that have like a dedicated following and so you'll get nine books in a series you'll get 12 books in a series yeah. for some of these authors but their their kind seems to be kind of disappearing and it's more and more like as an author you're self-published and like this is your entrepreneurial enterprise trying to fund yourself and find your audience be your own marketer be your own production person or the the big five are being i think more choosy in terms of who they're 
yeah. like the kinds of books they're they're picking up and yeah. how they're selling them and the fact that they rely so much on the authors to do marketing for them now is yeah uh, there's a lot of challenges in the, the book industry and i'll be honest i i have a couple of trunk manuscripts that i haven't done anything with um since i wrote ice and snow and i don't know that i necessarily want to take the plunge into the world of sci-fi and fantasy book publishing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's such a challenging landscape and i've had to kind of reconcile with that because that was a long that was like my childhood dream was to to have my name on books that were being sold in barnes and noble in the sci-fi and <laughs> <Yes>. fantasy section <laughs> yes. and but on the other hand i'm in a position where my full-time job is to read comic books novels look at video game prototypes and like provide feedback on all of those yeah, that doesn't so even no no mm. it really doesn't and so even <laughs> if i'm not creating these materials i still get to work with them and try to help make them the best that they can be and help them appeal to fans and be consistent with the previous lore yeah, yeah. and so it's kind of just for me um it's it's a different path that my mm. life is taking, but I'm also really I I recognize that it's I'm really lucky and I'm really grateful to be in this position. Didn't yeah. turn out how I expected, but I'm really happy where I am. That's wonderful. So yeah, that's cool because you had mentioned too that you went to college. This is this is poli sci for poli sci. <laughs> yeah. Um, see see you're answering the question. What can you do with a poli sci degree? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I, I literally got a, an email from my college asked from the poli sci department, hey, can you share with us some updates as to what you've done with your degree? I was like, I don't think you want me to do that. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's great. Well, um, we we really, really appreciate you spending time with us. We, I, I, we definitely have a question for you, though, before we let you go, because as an well, inventor. Before you, oh, wait. before you do that. Oh, just good, because you've been overdue for a curveball or something. No, no, no. This isn't a curveball oh, okay. question, because okay. I'm, not, I'm not doing any faceplant questions today. We'll see. Um, I was no no I'm not I'm just making a comment because <laughs> sure. we haven't we've we've gotten so deep into these discussions there's so much more we'd love to have you back at some point oh god yes we'd love to even talk about some of this these games and experiences and all that because we love hearing about the creative process that's just something because mm. um, we're both creative in different ways it's just this is an, a new area for us and it's just fascinating to hear other people do it so that's all i was going to say jace you go ahead see <laughs> uh, see i avoided it i avoided yeah, well, it we'll see it's still nights young um okay. as an inveterate reader katrina what um what what are you reading what are you what are what okay i'm gonna sorry let me give you a two-part bad question what are yeah. you reading you know give or take and what would you like to read that's not out there yet oh yeah Okay. That's not really fair, but still, I, I'm, I'm asking it. <laughs> you did the face plan question. No, did. I didn't because it's still, it's a good question. It's just not fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I am actually, um, I'm going back to kind of my, my high school roots or my middle school roots in a way. There's been a plethora of manga that's been re-released in like mm. hardcover collector's editions um, now that that industry has kind of matured and like rights have changed hands a couple of times. So I'm actually going back to um, some classic manga from the 1980s 
1970s even. So I've been reading, I started Rosa Versailles, um, which is a early LGBTQ historical fiction manga, which I've oh, been wow. enjoying so far. And I've also been reading a Indian mythology inspired manga called Rig Veda, um, published by one of my favorite uh, manga authors, Clamp. And I also started reading Maison Ikoku, which is more like a slice of life romance um, manga by the legendary uh, Rumiko Takahashi. So by using uh, my local libraries and occasionally splurging on uh, some collector's editions, I've been kind of reading the manga that I had known about as a high schooler, but either like you couldn't afford it at the time or it wasn't translated into English at that time. Mm -hmm. So I was like going down to New York City. I grew up in New York, so I, I would go down to New York City, go to the Japanese bookstore um, and get like the, the Japanese language edition and like try to parse through it or find like translations online. So I've, that's what I've been doing most recently. Um, but in terms of what I'd like to read, that's much harder because I feel all, like my to be read stack and my Kindle is already <laughs> overloaded with yeah. like hundreds of titles that I want to read that I like think so, are for me. So what? Okay. So how about instead, just uh, what what's what are for you interesting things on that list? What's what's coming for you? Do you think? Okay, there's so many that I have to kind of take a breath. <laughs> we're, we're both we're both the same way. I mean, yeah. Jason doesn't I'm, Jason doesn't Kindle, but I do. I'm thinking like, Katrina's looking you know. at her desk. I imagine like a Picard esque tabletop with all of these my... pads everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So one thing that I did pick up recently, Ben Aronovich, um, wrote the, he started with Rivers of London. Um. It's a I think the best way to describe it would be Dresden Files, but it takes place in London and the wizard in question Ooh. is still an apprentice wizard and learning how to do things and oh, he works for the police instead of being a PI. Huh. Um, so I have a couple of those books um, that I borrowed from the library that are on my to read list that I'm very excited about. Um, yeah, just scrolling through. I've been... <laughs> Man... <laughs> I, all right, so the, the other thing that I've been trying to get to is I've been trying to read more classics. Um, so Dracula, Phantom of the Opera. Um, War and Peace is on my to-read list, mm. admittedly, wow. because the BBC miniseries was so fantastic. Um, I've never seen that. It's, it's like a six-episode thing. It's really good. I mean, I, I come from a background of like, just mainline like costume dramas like period romance pieces to me that's like i love yeah. that stuff um give that to me all day long um so it's i i aspirationally i want to read a lot more of these classics especially <laughs> in horror um read more hp lovecraft which is germane to my my job working on arkham horror yeah um so there's you know th between that and video games that there's more media that I have that I could probably consume in my life already. Oh my god. <laughs> You've run long, but you just said video games. What are you playing? There it is. I knew I knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to play through Mass Effect for the first time. Uh 
I know that it's a legendary game. I've had such a hard time getting into it, even though I've played and beaten all of the Dragon Age games. But it's just like fantasy is so much of my yeah. my favorite genre, and like sci-fi for me is secondary. Um, otherwise, I got I fell into Dwarven Fortress pretty hard when that came out oh. uh, in December, and then with the recent, I think Steam just had a sale of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands that I picked up and the the humor is so on point for tabletop gamers that it's just like really charming and delightful and and I played Borderlands way back in the day but it's really fun to kind of come back to like shooter looter let's do this um but the the comedy which in my opinion comedy is the hardest writing to do well is just so on point I'm really enjoying that so far I'm going to try to drag my husband into playing that with me co-op we'll see how that goes nice well, you are, yeah, you're definitely our, our kindred spirits in terms of, of I'm, I've more into board games. I mean, I've been, I've been the type where I've been searching and finding not, you can't use AI anymore. Just thanks to Jack GBT. You can't, that term is narrowed in its scope, but mm-hmm. artificial tools so that I could in effect try Twilight Imperium solo. Um, you know yeah she's got she's got the eye she knows she knows what what i twilight imperium is one of my favorite board games so have have you gotten to play it i have not i i picked it up for the first time i picked it up during um a sale in december so um i've done other you know board games like axis and allies and Mm -hmm. i was a big fan of the firefly board game and um all that but when i saw twilight imperium and the expansion come up i've been sitting it would sit in the it would sit in the gaming stores up on top and i love those big giant all-encompassing games and Mm -hmm. um and you need jason doesn't know this as well as i do you need really you need at least three to i mean three is the minimum to really make it worthwhile um and And i know ideally it plays really well at, at six because then you can get like oh, three different alliances going on oh. and like scheming and backstabbing like i think to i i will be curious to know your you know if i can come back if you'll invite me back oh, and, um, time, please. <laughs> um i would be i would love to hear how the solo goes because to me the heart of twilight imperium lies in your player interactions and that's what is the most magical about those mechanics is that it really facilitates the scheming and negotiation and the bluffing um that you would expect in like a galactic council or in like a a pan-galactic audience you know congregation of all of these different alien species and so you know you're having a good time when like somebody gets up to go to the to the kitchen to get like more snacks and everybody's like plotting behind their backs and then you see someone else goes to like meet with them in the kitchen and you're like they're having a secret meeting and they're plotting against us so they now everybody has to look at their board state and see who has to like you know make allegiance who has to ally with each other in order to offset the alliance that's clearly being forged in the kitchen right now um and but you don't know right like it's they could just both innocently be getting more snacks and now the entire game is turned because everybody believes that they're scheming together 
I could. I know Jason. I gotta and, check and, out and, this game. And yeah, that's what. That's exactly. This is the fascinating. Like, I, like, you're I, not talking God. about a board game anymore. This is more than than. I a, thought she was talking about our group. I. I yeah, this is no. I, I gotta and check out this game. Yeah. Katrina knows better than anyone. I mean, how long does a traditional game could a traditional game run of Twilight Imperium? Jason, they probably, you know, six hours. You know, I know that people that play it frequently can get it less than that. I've had it run, I think, it depends, but like six to eight hours is, you need a, a day. Like, you get your, your <laughs> yeah. Saturday, you tell everyone That's what awesome. the meal situation is. That's what I was talking about, snacks, is because it's yeah. going on for so long. Um, but it's, it's truly an experience if you can get Twilight Imperium to the table. I think there's a reason why it's held up for over 25 years. Yeah. Um, it's it's a fantastic game. I'm just worried now with with ChatGPT and this AI stuff. Someone's going to really try to. I mean, obviously, there's a subset of the gaming world that is into that game. It's and but you're yep. if you're in it, you are diehard. Um, Man, but someone's going to come up with something. I know that, like I said, there's stuff out there that truly is an AI. It's just been more of kind of like a passion project, trying to see if I could piece together something it will never replace people um you can't do that but now i'm worried i was just telling jason before the chat gpt4 or whatever they it passed a bar exam it took a bar exam and it passed in the top wow. 10 it passed in the top 10 percent. i saw that as a news story and so if that's the case then it's just a matter of time before this th this whole conversation makes me wonder you know if only douglas adams were alive today and could write something about this. I don't know. Somehow in my mind, that's related to Twilight Imperium and Chat GT. Hitchhiker's Guide Yeah, there. it's just he. I don't know. I'm, I don't know where I'm going with that. But in my mind, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think it was the six to eight hour game, and you have to have the snackage figured out. That that in <laughs> Chat GPT, there was a whole other short story involved. I showed you the box. I mean, the box is. I'm just... going to have to investigate this. Yeah, um, I think I think when I come up there next. Yeah. I'll bring it along so you can actually see how yeah. robust and deep it is. Yeah. But we've we've actually kept you, Katrina, like probably a half an hour longer than we had really anticipated. Or <laughs> Thank you so much for you. spending time with us. Yeah, absolutely. And we do, and we do have to have you back because we could talk about. Yeah, we that. would love it. We could talk about mm -hmm. other gaming stuff. Maybe stuff comes out that you know we could talk about in the fantasy world. There, just based off of your interest and experience, we could have you probably on once a month just to try to keep <laughs> well, up don't, with don't threaten to, her i mean yeah i'm sorry that just sounded i just probably went to creeper land with that so oh no it's you know it's don't good. worry i live out of state you have nothing to worry yeah. about but there's there's so much to talk about even yeah. just geeking out over editing and yeah. and the stuff that is involved with that because i mean our, our impression is that a lot of people would like to hear that stuff you know yeah. i mean it's it's peeling back the layers of the onion of this fascinating industry um mm -hmm. and it just i don't know i think it makes me appreciate it all that much more yeah. yeah so thank you so much absolutely thank you so much for having me it was great to chat after and, and thank you, Katrina, for joining us. Let me start by saying that was a lot of fun. Um, we got to talk to someone who was involved in in books and role playing and such that that we are big fans of. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, and you our listeners are, our listeners can't see it because it, we're 
a podcast. But the way that Katrina's yeah. face lit up when she was talking about her stuff, it's just yeah. There's there's yeah. a joy there. Yeah. There's a joy and a passion mm-hmm. for women, yeah. and and it's cool to see when people yeah find that. It's very cool. Um, yeah. I loved talking about Twilight Imperium. We kind of hit that <laughs> before we, met, we talked with her. <laughs> so, and it, it just made me want to, I think I talked, yeah, I did talk about trying to find a way to solo it, which for oh anyone God. who's listening is going to laugh at that idea. Yeah. Um, it's still a little pet project that sits in the back burner, but um, just what potentially could be coming and the work that she's doing with, 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 fiction writing within these worlds within this these worlds that they own and have license to yeah um yeah it's pretty cool you know i'm 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 fascinated by it i think what will be interesting to see is um with all of this we've talked about this a lot in various forms with all of the issue about open licensing and so Mm -hmm. on um i don't bring that up because of asmodee and edge studio i bring it up culturally yep because I think this is an opportunity and you're starting to see some of these game companies be really innovative and um, ambitious Mm -hmm. with their releases. So it's going to be exciting to see what Asmodee and Edge do over the next 6, 12, 18 months. Oh, I mean, I I agree. And I think toward that end, or maybe, well, yeah, I think toward that end, or at least related to that end, I think, you know, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum off air, Brad, but I suspect there are a lot of us out there in RPG and RPG adjacent land who are simply curious what's Asmodee's next step, right? Ever since Fantasy Flight Game uh, became one of their holdings and now you have Edge Studio, you know, you we it's clear some things are continuing, other things are coming back, but but what's going to come? You know, they're such a large company. They have so many resources. And, you know, we didn't get into any of this with with, with Katrina, but uh, nor would we have. But I know the two of us, we have lots of questions about, okay, how how is Asmodee going to move forward with these IPs, including their own? And what will yeah. they be rolling out? What 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 updates, what revisions, what new canons? It's it's a neat open question. And I don't want to sound patronizing, but I, I will say if the teams, the team there, the, yeah. the company has people creative like yeah. Katrina on the team, then they're in then good hands. Yeah. I th- they're in very good hands. I really yeah. do. It's time for the GM corner. I'm going to give you three words. 42. Oh, sorry. And I want your um visceral response don't think about it okay just your visceral instant response okay okay you know what the three words are going to be i start trek picard oh (laughs) (laughs) so so um we've already spent a fair amount of time today chatting about season three episode seven dominion and uh fortuitously this episode drops just a few days after so if for some reason um major illness abduction by aliens brief hit by a bus yeah you know. uh, like that stuff if you haven't if you haven't yet seen picard season three episode seven uh to quote 
If you haven't Sir seen Will Picard Wheaton. season three. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. just stop. Spoiler alert. Go catch up. Tape it up. Come on back. If if you and I you and I watched yeah. the first two seasons and, they, and it was fun to watch, but yeah. yep. I didn't feel like they drove the story forward. Okay. Yeah. If you want to know what's going to happen in the world oh of Trek between the end of Season Nemesis, three. yes, and the twenty fifth century, thirty first century, the thirty first oh, yeah, century yeah. of Discovery, yeah. yeah, this is where it starts, and How, it will blow your mind. It, it it will blow your mind. How many times have I texted you in the past days, of or in the past week, really, of I can't believe how much world building they're doing i i mean i've oh, wanted yeah. to play star trek adventures badly you know before mm -hmm. but i think i've texted you daily for a, like a week or two like we got to play this i mean the the yeah. well you said it best it's this is it this is this is this it, is this is it this is driving i think i mentioned this to you earlier this is driving the story forward oh. within a franchise better than i hate to say it better than star wars has done oh yeah and yeah. even better i would say that marvel's doing right now this is if you were a tng yeah. fan if you were a ds9 fan yep even if you're a voyager fan and i don't mean that to minimize voyager i just mean that maybe you like that more than the upper so other two series you have to watch this even i don't if, know how many times even you and if, i have both said boy that we teared up this is just so good brad this is I mean, I and I and you and I have talked about this. Like, this is not a situation. This is not a case of it's brand new. It's the best thing ever, right? No. This is especially not after two seasons of Picard. Like, I I truly loved season one. Uh, I thought the episodes ranged from excellent to good, very good. There was a bit of a dip in the middle. Um, uh, season two, beautiful acting neat story didn't really in any way contribute in my opinion to canon whatever that's fine mm -hmm. but season three it's even enterprise brad uh if you oh, they, yeah. they, they haven't said much but um there are characters there are callbacks um there are ships like like the rebuild of the nx1 mm -hmm. is at the museum you you never see it up close they never address it and it's not even in enterprise but it was beta canon that they have now made canon it was star trek online canon because, yes it, thank you, you so know? it was a lot of sto is going and then sto like you know thomas maroney who, who graced us with his presence i still go back to that conversation and mm -hmm. his talk about designing these ships so much sto is showing up and then the people at sto are then releasing more imagery to help fans see these ships that are becoming canon brilliant I yeah, and I have the NX refit as oh, one of my ships with an STO, so it has the mm -hmm. it, it's like a mini Enterprise. It's actually very cool the way it was designed. And um, I was watching someone live streaming Star Trek Online today, and it was a they were in a storyline that I haven't played yet, so I was watching a little bit. There was a little bit of spoiler material, yeah. but seeing some of the new stuff it just makes me i can't afford the time right now 
but it so makes me want to go back in and play again. And at some point, I think within the next six months, I will, um, because there's a lot of storyline that's occurred, you know, in the past 18 months that I've been away from it. Um, so, you know, and I want to get the, I want to get the USS Invictus out of space dock. And, there you go. Um, yeah. And, and beat me up some board. So, <laughs> but That's but awesome. yeah i think i think um this every episode i i think i said holy cow but change cow into something else that it produces into several something else yeah, yeah multiple times just because they keep they throw something it's, at you it, and, and, and so many callbacks and i'll be honest with you there is a lot of ds9 dna Oh, yes, there's a lot. And, and they're bringing in more Voyager. And, you know, yes. I want to I want to be clear, like you and I have talked about this, but like I, I think of like if I and I don't say a whole lot at home because, you know, my wife and daughters like, OK, but mm -hmm. but still, when I do mention this, I think of it, I check myself through their lens of, OK, well, you just like that because, you know, because you're old and it was your show. Right. End quote. And. And I, I don't think that's what's going on. I know Metallus has talked about this in lots of interviews, but uh, are there callbacks? Is there fan service? Yes, but nothing's there pointlessly. I mean, tr truly, I think you could look at any of these connections. It goes back to exactly what you said, opening the GM corner, Brad, that anything they're putting out there somehow is fleshing out this world i mean from a from a from a fan perspective a role-playing perspective a writing perspective the sheer amount of material in season three in season like, two oh, man in season two they they uh, there was just in real passing someone said have you reached out to, to admiral cisco and it was in the alternate universe right so right. that was a that was a call out in right. a way, in many ways, for us that right, right, nine fans. Hey, they said Cisco. Yeah. Um, this time, if it references Voyager, if it yeah. references DS Nine, yeah, if it references Enterprise or anything like that, there's a reason they aren't. Yes, they are. Metallus and the writers have done us all a great service mm. in the fact that they are giving us nostalgia that yes. gives us that warm fuzzy, but it isn't for the sake of it. They are using that nostalgia to not yes. only give us goosebumps, but to drive to drive story, story yes. forward in big, profound ways. Okay, so like we don't we don't want to say. I mean, we don't want to spoil it for anyone, other than at the end of of episode seven, absolutely everybody dies and it's just a droid. Wait, what? We are about a week away from the second anniversary of Dyson Mind. Yes, in eight days. This podcast has been live for two years mm -hmm. and um, two years and 89 episodes. And just so everyone knows, we're, we're actually scheduled out into the mid 90s already. You know, it has been I kind of started this out by saying this in kind of in a tease way as to what you just yeah. brought up, which is great. Um even if we hadn't been recording this, we would have been talking about this anyway. Yeah. So yeah. what does this do? Having the podcast gives us permission to come down here and talk about it and have people mm -hmm. leave us alone for an hour or so. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's one. And two, going back to the beginning, yeah. Um, 
we have talked to and met some i couldn't i don't know how to say this i ex i expected it but it even exceeded my expectations as to how friendly and generous yeah and willing our guests have been yeah to join us on the episode and keep communicating with us they joined the episode and they were willing to talk with us afterwards how's that Normally, mm -hmm. people, if they talk to with you and I together for about an hour, we'll never hear from them again. So, other than the ones we married, I think that's totally true. Yeah. It, so, but but you know, but you're peeling back that fourth wall. I mean, you're you're right. It is a rare, a rare guest, truly rare guest, where we don't spend time chatting beforehand, and then after we hit stop on the recording, um, we've sometimes gone for another 20, 30, even forty minutes just and, chatting. And the and it's usually us that wants to cut it off because we're trying yeah. to be just we're trying to be courteous yeah. of their time. Mm -hmm. But almost all of them have been willing to sit there and chat with us regardless because we talk about things that that they are passionate about, mm -hmm. and it's things that and we are we are learners, we are students mm -hmm. listening to these folks. Yeah, that's right. Talk and tell their stories right. about their creativity and everything, yeah. and it is fun to be a student in this room. yeah yeah beautifully said uh before we before we call it let's let's talk about brand building a little bit i, I think i think we're, we're we're contemplating some changes we've talked about this in the past we haven't said much lately um we really want to roll dice in mind out to a broader audience we want the podcast to be more accessible and more interesting uh you know we're not doing anything for the second anniversary of Dyson Mind, we're more interested in changing some things up around our 100th episode mark. So, yeah. so later this year, you know, we've been working on some stuff in the background for a few months already, and we have a bunch of ideas. But, but plan uh, as as we hit that hundred episode mark, uh, there are going to be some changes, I think. Um, we want to we want to evolve this episode, evolve the podcast, evolve the brand, and you know we're we're two years old now. It's time to mature a little bit. We we know where we're going and where we want to go. And there's and there's stuff that we've been working on, and honestly, it's been it's it's on me. And some of those things have haven't progressed as quickly as I wanted, just because I'm in a job search. By the way, if anyone needs a project manager, let me know. Yep. Um, but that being said, I do have time that I haven't had in a while. Um, and have been working on some things much slower than I'd wanted. But I think the things we want to do in the next 12 to 18 months align with our areas of strength. Yep. And yep, well I think would um, allow us to provide... We're, we're trying to communicate in other ways besides just a podcast. Uh, we are. We really appreciate, uh, Katrina, you spending time with us. Uh, it was such a neat chat. It, it was so eye-opening for us, especially just hearing about your varied experiences in the industry and, and just all, all around the industry. Um, as always, uh, we have a number of number of interviews coming up uh, with, with people um, – who you're really going to want to hear from. And uh, the list is growing in terms of those who we seek to ask. Brad, I haven't haven't even shared with you some of my ideas of whom 
we should have in the near future. So we'll start talking about that too. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. As always, be well, stay well. We will see you in a couple of weeks. 